Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema. Is the Netflix revolution killing cinemas? Is the question we usually ask on this show. Well, with the last year that we've had, we say yes. <laughs> but maybe maybe Netflix had some help from something called COVID. My name is Tosin and I am the host of the show, uh, based up in Bromsgrove in the UK, um, in the Midlands. And joining me on the Isle of Wight is Sharon. Hello. Now, we usually have Sean with us, and Sean will be here. He is just currently in, uh, well, we believe he's in a doctor's surgery. Now, now Sean has a habit. Every now and then, over the last year, he's given us a bit of a scare. And we, we from what we understand, this is not a scare thing. <laughs> it's not a scare thing. No, it's probably post-op follow-up, I would imagine. Yes, yes. So we, we think w- w- Sean should be fine, and Sean will probably pop in at some point. So we might be in the middle of a film review or something. Also, you, you, you will just hear, hello, hi, guys, hi, is this thing working? Can you hear me? <laughs> and that will man- mark the arrival yeah. of Sean. But, he did uh, scare us to death because he had an emergency appendectomy and then peritonitis. And so he was very poorly for a while there. Yes, yes, yeah, he, he was, he was. And um, so what we usually do on this show is that we usually go to the cinema. <laughs> Even saying those words fills me with like, you know, some sort of like a sort of wistful wistful dread if that's such a thing if there's such a thing as a wistful yeah. dread or just like you know i remember cinemas yeah sadness sadness for what we have lost yeah um so uh we would go to the cinema and we would watch a couple of films and then we would go at home and we would watch things and we would weigh them up and say which viewing experience was better where did we get a bang for a buck this week and um in the lockdown i think we have all pretty much unanimously said you know what they're different. Cinema, cinema definitely has a place. Cinema definitely has a place. It's different. I mean, when it comes back, it's going to have to up its game or figure out something to make everybody realize how different it is and what it is that it offers that you can't get at home. And maybe the lockdown might even help with that. But um, that that's what we've done. But what we're doing at the moment is we are just watching things on various streaming platforms at home, and we are saying, okay, this is what we think. And every now and then, it breaks up into a discussion about how our viewing habits have changed would you agree with that sharon definitely yes <laughs> it's had a bigger impact than i think we any of us anticipated because when you think you know i know we're all cinema goers but for a lot of people they don't go to cinema that often yeah um it probably is just like the big event films that they all turn out for whereas we would see pretty much anything that was coming out yes <laughs> so we think but for most people it wouldn't have that big an impact um but i think for even those people who only go occasionally they suddenly think you know what there is something special about sitting in a darkened room when you give yourself permission to do nothing but watch that film yeah there is no requirement for you to think oh should i get a cup of tea and snacks or you, you, your eye isn't cast over oh i've got that to clean up or i've got laundry to fold up and put away or i've got you're not distracted by your oh, life. Oh, oh someone, someone's just rung the doorbell. I'm just going to pause this and then go off and go, <laughs> go pick that up. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and uh, I know we because judging by what you were just saying about maybe people seeing the big ticket things, well, because we had a period of doing uh, interviews. We had a period of doing interviews with people with film buffs. We're calling it a film buff interview where we would interview people for a weekend. Or just ask them a whole bunch of questions, and one of the things that came up is that one of the questions was, "What's the final? Uh, 
what's the final film you saw in the cinema? And a lot of people were saying Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, because that was the last thing that they saw because it was the last really, really big ticket film that, that had been released. But anyway, we're going to move on. And this week, we are going to talk about things that we've seen. So, Sharon, you have been <laughs> you have you have you have been a good netflix customer and you have watched what they have shoved right in your face and said watch this <laughs> is that yeah, a- i just i think i followed the clickbait basically <laughs> <laughs> so they yeah. wave a flag a big shiny object at me and i'm going oh what's that <laughs> now I, I have to admit i have to admit i was i was with you on this because i was kind of like oh that i should watch that but then i forgot <laughs> just life just got busy and I didn't watch it. So you have seen what I think has probably been getting the most column inches of film release. That's because I've noticed that in the lockdown, I've not been watching that many films. I've been watching a lot more TV series than films. But you went, you actually watched a film, a bona fide film with bona fide film stars, with Ralph Fiennes, with Carrie Mulligan, and this is a film called The Dig. So tell us, what is The Dig about? The Dig is about the 1939 excavation of what is, I think, in many what many people regard as Britain's greatest archaeological find. Okay. It certainly was the greatest archaeological find of the 20th century, and arguably it has probably been the greatest archaeological find ever found in the British Isles. Oh, cool. So they, and that is the, the buried um, ship grave at Sutton Hoo which is in uh, Suffolk. So if you are not know, don't know much about your British geography, um, you've got the east of England and you've got the big roundy bump thing above London. Okay, yeah. And Suffolk is, the, is, the, is one of the bits up there. You've got Norfolk and you've got Suffolk. Ah, yes, yes. And um, so it's that sort of eastern England, which we think of as being like um, always flooded, basically. <laughs> um, but, but Suffolk is one of the bits where they have got these rolling downs, but it is close to the sea. Yeah. And it was part of the Dane law. So basically it meant that it was at the heart of sort of the Viking invasion. It had changed hands between the Danes and the Saxons and the, the Jutes and various other different people occupied it. So it's rich in history, of, of quite a turbulent history. Yeah. And what was so special about Sutton Hoo was not the fact that it was the treasures that were found, and I'll mention that briefly, um, but it was the fact that it when it when this this treasure was buried, and it was buried at the heart of what we call the Dark Ages. Yeah. So at a time when people thought that Britain was just running around clubbing each other, they don't think of it as being a, an, an, an artistic, as being cultural, as being... They think, well, the Romans left, but the Vikings haven't really... They've been sort of pillaging. So what would they do but cowering in, cowering in their mud huts? Yeah. And it was like, no, 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 actually, there was this th- a thriving culture. And so this threw light on a whole period of British history. But anyway, that's the history. The story is there's a, a, a widowed landowner um, played by Kerry Mulligans who has bought who bought this house in Suffolk when she she married quite late she'd been courted by her husband for something like 13 years yep but they had put off marrying um, because she was caring for her elderly parents and mm. so they didn't marry young even though he first proposed when she was 17 they eventually married when she was in her 30s mm-hmm. and they had a son and then tragically within a very short time of their marriage her husband died yeah. but their happiest moments of their life was spent in this house and they bought this old country estate 
a big, a lot big estate, big old house, a lot of land. And on this land, there were these barrows, these ancient sort of burials. But but no, but they thought that some of them had been robbed because they had like a flat top. Oh yeah. But if you walk along the countryside, anywhere where there's a high place in this country, a down, any downland area, you'll see these mounds. Yeah. You see, there's a smooth horizon, and then you get these bumps, and you and then you look at them, you think, what are those bumps? And often they are just ancient burial mounds oh. and it's surprising actually there's an awful lot of them that haven't been poked about in <laughs> a lot of them are robbed but a lot of them regard them as being they're actually graves yeah. so the attitudes towards these things have changed over the years and so at one point they were regarded as just being a curiosity on the landscape yeah and then they became old rich pickings and then they became like sacred areas again yeah and so this was a time when they were like they had that 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 their that reverence for them as a burial place, but that curiosity is like, what could they be hiding? Yeah. And so the lady who owns Edith, her name is the lady who owns the land, decides that she's been drawn to these mounds, and there's a one that's bigger than the others in particular. And so she asks the local museum to excavate her mounds and these burial mounds. And so this the local he's a, he's called a digger and uh, an excavator that's the Ralph Fiennes character Ralph Fiennes character a guy called Basil Brown who was like self-taught mm-hmm. um, he was a very intentional man he, self, he taught himself like astrology and history and archaeology um, but he was not trained by mm. any great university he was like a, a man of the people who like was a but he was passionate and knowledgeable and so he starts this excavation yeah and he is the one who first with the others they first find enough evidence to suggest that this is not just a normal burial but this is a ship burial where people have dragged the ship from the sea which is two miles away yeah up to a high hill and then buried it and it was something like 18 meters long it's vast it's it's a huge full-size ship yeah and it was dug in a hole and then buried and covered over and, and so they excavate it and then they discover the, the story of the, the treasures but that isn't really what the film is about the film is about I think discovering what is important okay. in relationship in life, in personal fulfilment so one of the characters is suffering from, from illness and, um, and so you see her coming to terms with her own mortality and then wanting to have a then her thoughts turn to what will her legacy be and it also turns to the thoughts of you know what will other people's legacy be and so she's interested in her own legacy plus like with basil brown that the fact that he is recognized for his work yeah and that her son will have a future all right so, so it's, it's quite a thoughtful film yeah, I was going to say because there's there's a lot of questions firing off in my head now because well, when you mentioned the fact about like the um, Britain's greatest archaeological find, my sort of like you know sort of my what can I say my colonial radar also <laughs> like a radio red flag was started flashing. I was like, oh no, because I, I thought you were going to say yeah in Egypt or something like that. So a I was actually I was like, oh no, on the British Isles. Now I like this. I like this. It makes me think of maybe they. Maybe they read the room and thought, okay, maybe that one might not be good, but do, doing something like British Isles quite good. And then I was also going to say, because you know, last week we were talking about um, Penguin Bloom and how it's a true life story. And we were talking about when you make a true life story film, it, some, 
it kind of leeches the drama out of the <laughs> what you're telling. Yeah. Because there's only, like we said, I think my words were, there's only so good a film like that can be. Absolutely. And, and so, so with this on the, so I was wondering, okay, where would they go? They dig, they find something. Where do you go from there? So, but you're saying like it sounds like what you're, what you're saying. They found other wrinkles to the story. Yeah, they look at it not just as a as an adventure story, not like as Indiana Jones, but you know, with Ray Fiennes, <laughs> an older Ray Fiennes, and slow. Um, they're not just like let's find the treasure. It's not really about the treasure it's about the people who find it and the relation the interconnecting relationships between them and it's a sense of that your own mortality because it's a grave i think a lot of the questions it makes you think about the mortality of the people involved yeah so this um edith uh, the character played by Kerry mulligan is her thoughts are very much turning to her mortality because she's lost her husband yeah. you see her visiting his grave yeah and for her, there's no difference between her husband's grave, who's died five years ago, and the grave of this man who died a thousand years ago. To her, yeah. the way she sees it, there's no difference. Yeah. And, and so she has that reverence, that approach to it is is that sort of, this is a sacred site in, in effect. She would no more consider digging up her husband's grave than she would really tampering with this man ah. just because he died that bit further ago. Okay. And so, so she's approaching it as a with that degree of solemnity and sort of reverence almost like a sacred the, the like a sacred site yes yeah. so that is interesting and then it also looks at she's terrified you know that her young son what would he how would he cope without her and then there's a really interesting bit about how he's fascinated by the stars and they there's a, a bit in there about how he tells her her son tells her a story mm. uh, that gives her comfort to know that he would he would cope he he's not stupid he's a child but he can see that his mum's not getting any better and he knew that his dad died that his dad didn't just go on holiday somewhere so he's aware of both of their moralities yeah and so he tells her a story to comfort her knowing that you know what i'm, I'm going to be okay <laughs> and so there's some deep moments in this film i thought that made it took it above just uh you know what let's make a film about digging up I know it's gold and it's treasure and it's the most amazing things, but the most amazing things I don't even feature. They don't even feature the helmet. Mm-hmm. They don't feature the the, the the shield and yeah. a lot of the things we think of when we think of Sutton Who, they don't even they only get a brief mention. All right. Okay. So now two questions. The first of which, with a cast like this, sounds like a bit of a of an insult. But are the performances any good? Number one and number two. How many stars would you give it? No, I thought it were very good. There was, and the secondary cast was actually more... I was really surprised that who turned up in secondary roles. Like, Ken Stott turns up as an archaeologist. Oh, God, what's he British. been doing? So, in the past, but he was like, Taggart, wasn't he? And he's, all, he's done all sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Ken Stott was turned up in it. And then Lily James, of course, she seems to be in every... Yeah, she does film. seem to be in everything. But she turned up as another archaeologist. Her husband was played by Ben Chaplin. Oh, yeah. Again... Who's turning into a really good character actor, actually. Mm. Someone who started off as just being like eye candy. He's now developed into, I think, uh, quite a good character actor. As the eye candy bit of him has faded slightly, yes. As he's got his, (laughs) yeah, he's matured into, yeah. He's grown into those wrinkles, but he's still a handsome man, of course. And then Johnny Flynn. I wasn't, I, I sort of thought he might be in it, but Johnny Flynn is, was in the recent adaption of Emma, 
and was in an amazing film called Beast, Beast yeah. a couple of years ago. And I know him from his music because I've I've still got CDs and I've got all of his. Yeah. <laughs> because he, he was a folk to me. He was a folk singer first, and then he's an actor. Okay. For, for like anybody listening to for anybody listening to this, like um, you might have heard it on the thing, but when Sharon said Johnny Flynn, there was a sort of like you know a demure touch to the clavicle, <laughs> which went oh, Johnny Flynn. <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let, let, well, let me put it this way. If Sharon has a list of any sort, Johnny Flynn's on that list. So. He's on it, yeah. <laughs> and so is Ray Fiennes, actually, because I always thought he was so charismatic. Yeah. But even as an older man, he has still got that outer charisma. Yeah. So I thought Mads the part, and Carrie Mulligan's, even though she played, she's aged up in this because the real-life lady was in her sort of 60s, whereas yeah. she plays her as someone who's, in their 40s so she's yeah. aged up from her own but aged down from the character yeah um the real person but so i to be honest with you i didn't think there was any duff ones in it no one i looked at and thought you are really sort of stretching the the um sort of bringing in a few am dram techniques there but no i thought <laughs> it, they really were, were were relatable they were sort of like you know they were just cool so really um, fleshed out their character as well so how many stars I'd give it a four. Ooh. So I enjoyed it. They're very. It's, to me, it's a film that I really like. It was quiet. It had a sort of a. It wasn't one of those. Let's do a Dave and Attenborough about the about, about the environment and mm -hmm. have like shots of birds and grass growing and stuff. But you did get a sense of feeling, a sense of setting about the countryside. So it felt like a very British film. Yep. Um. And I just I I related to that. I thought to me I thought yes this is. This is I can recognise this England is it's that even though it's from the nineteen thirties, I grew up on the Isle of Wight. Yeah. So the Isle of Wight in the nineteen yeah. seventies was like the rest of the country in, in the nineteen thirties, yeah. <laughs> so I that little boy when he was running around, I thought, that was my childhood because everyone on the people on the island say, Yeah, that if you grew up in the seventies, it was like growing up in the forties and fifties anywhere else in the country. <laughs> Well, I we can imagine. Yeah, because, because, but you're quite a you're quite a sort of like a walker with your mum. You you do go walking in a whole bunch of yeah. different places and all that. So I can yeah. imagine anything that has to do with outdoors in the English countryside is you all over. So it's me, that, yeah. Uh, and we, when I was we were children, we used to go up to one of the downs where there were some barrows. There's loads of barrows on the island. Yeah. Um, and we used to just like run up and down them. We didn't treat them with any degree of reverence. And then a few years later, they they actually stopped people climbing on them because they were saying, you know what, no, 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 these aren't just a good place for you to ride your bike off of. Yeah. These are actually these are graves. Yeah. So yeah. I had that. What I recognised when they were talking about them, saying, no, 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 these are graves. I was like, yeah, because I remember as a child, not even considering these bumps on the landscape as in anything other than just bumps on a landscape. Yeah. Then later I suddenly thought, you know, actually, yeah, that is part of our heritage, <laughs> and that was someone's resting place. So. Yeah, yeah, I do. It just struck a chord with me, in in many levels. So I really, I really rated it. Good stuff. I, I, that I was, I would still have it on my list. I'll, I'll try and save this film from the fate of someone else reviewed it on the podcast. Therefore, that means I'm not going to watch it. I don't I'll, need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll try, I'll try and save that this film from that fate and actually go watch this film. Um, so, all right, I have two things. One of them I want to try and keep and see if we can keep it until Sean shows up, which is Brockmire because I think he'll actually quite like Brockmire. I saw back. So there's two seasons of this, and because it's a British TV show, like when I'm beginning to feel like all good TV shows, there's only 12 episodes. <clears throat> only only 12 episodes of it. They each half an hour, which means you get through them quite quickly. So this is done by David Mitchell and Robert Webb. 
who people might know internationally from Peep Show. And they have had like a whole bunch of comedy series like that which Mitchell and Webb sound, that Mitchell and Webb look. They're essentially like, you know, uh, the comedy act that seems joined at the hip where they, they take their personas into a whole bunch of different things. And they, they still always have that kind of persona where Robert Webb is kind of like, you know, the more hip, cool one. And David David Mitchell is the... He's the uptight one who is really, really pedantic and nobody likes, <laughs> quite frankly, is, is that, that, that is, the, those are the Mitchell and Webb set characters. And um, it, they, so in this time round, it's in a TV show called Back. So the whole idea is that uh, David Mitchell plays a character called Steven. He is, his dad has recently died and his dad was an owner of a pub. And so now he's like the one who, ah, here we have a Sean. So yeah, he's recently died, and um, his his dad was the owner of the pub, and so that means that he inherits the pub. So um, I'll just keep going on to show because so it means he inherits the pub, and when he inherits the pub, he he's he's kind of like thinking, oh, how do I live up to my dad? All that kind of stuff, and he's trying to. And at his dad's funeral, Robert Webb shows up, a character called Andrew, and this and so he's standing at the at the side of his his dad's grave, and he's trying to sort of. Because he's he's a very emotionally constipated character, which is another very David Mitchell kind of characteristic, being emotionally constipated. And he's so he, he's kind of like trying to say a couple of words. And then this guy, Andrew, comes up and just sort of starts off. He says, oh, so he's like, oh, bye, dad. And then Andrew, this other guy comes up and goes, bye, dad, as well. And he's like, what, what do you mean, bye, dad? He was my father. He wasn't your father. And he sort of says, no, I was actually, I was a a foster child i stayed with you guys for five months like all these years ago and that was one of the best times of my life so i really see you guys as family so he comes in and then um the so david mitchell's mums so steven's mum who goes oh andrew so good to see you again and hugs him and everybody welcomes him into the family and they start treating him like the son they never had Meanwhile, meanwhile, Stephen's there going, hang on a second, you do have a son. What do you, what do you mean? It seems like a son you never had. And so it becomes this whole thing. The whole, the whole show comes about this guy wheedling his way into the family and this other guy getting increasingly uptight about it and getting increasingly annoyed about it because he thinks I'm supposed to be there. So he's, he's with the pub and he goes, let's do this with the pub. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then Andrew goes, how about if we do this? And everybody's like, oh, yes, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and so it becomes this whole thing about the unliked, uncool person trying really, really hard to deal with the fact that somebody that everybody likes has come in and has now come in in the aftermath of his dad's death. And that is essentially it for six episodes. And he's he's saying, where is he actually from? Is he actually who he comes? Is he a con man? Is he the devil? Has he come to destroy my life? <laughs> And they keep, uh, they never really explain what happens, but because it ends up that Andrew's in his dad's will, and the pub is left to him, his sister, his mother, and Andrew, this foster child. And he's like, why on earth is he in the will? We only knew him for five months, all these, like, we only knew him for five months, 30 years ago. Why is he in the will? And he, so. I actually think this is really, really well done. It's, sorry, Sean. Sean's just joined us. Sean, we're talking about TV show Back. Back. Which, hey, can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear yeah. you. We can hear you. Think that oh, that's be a, good. That's good. Think it might be a little bit of a delay, but yeah, we can hear you. And it's uh, so it, it's back on the channel four, also on channel four's player all four. So um, yeah, and 
I, I quite enjoy this. I think that they zoom by quite quickly. Like the episodes are only about 25 minutes long or something. And it's one of those things that you can just, you can watch a whole season in a day without realizing you've watched the whole season. And I, I think the, because when you have people who always kind of play the same character as Mitchell and Webb do, it can get a bit tiresome. But I thought they managed to find another wrinkle to it here. And I think that there's actually some really, really good performances as to whether, especially with the Andrew character, yeah, like, what is up with him? What is his thing? Is yeah. is he in the other one? Is he in Steven's mind? Is he actually there? Is he actually as, is he evil? Is he just manipulative? Is he just like, you know, a lost boy looking for his mummy? Is he, and, they, and so I think psychologically, there's quite an interesting thing happening where even though it's supposed to be a comedy program, it does one of these things where they have a lot of, it's it's comedy mostly, but there's a couple of really really poignant moments. There's a moment in the second season that you see coming. You see coming. The second they bring in, it has to do with the dog. They bring the dog in and they say something about the dog that you go, okay, cool. I see exactly what's going to happen. But the way they do that moment is so well done, and it's pre- it's almost like the final thing in the show. And the way they end the second season makes me think that has got to be it. They can't have a third season. It would be tying themselves in knots to bring a third to have a third season and uh the the way they do that moment is just kind of, it's actually a bit of a gut punch when it happens it's it, even though you know it's coming you know they're going to do it when they do it you're kind of ooh, ooh, sheesh that's that is a gut punch so back i think it's a really good show i would give it a four out of five okay, cool yeah uh, i'll give it a four or five that's an awful uh, so Sean, we have been trying to, I've been trying to, well, not quite stall for time, but there was something else I was going to, something else I was going to review that I wanted to wait until you came on, because I think that you, hang on, Sharon, what is going on? (laughs) Sharon, Sharon, what's going on? We're just getting, okay, she hasn't got her headphones in. We're getting a lot of rustling. Sharon, what was going on? We just got a lot of rustling from you. <laughs> I just I just nodded vigorously and then I just whipped my here my phone off of the, the precarious <laughs> resting place and it went mad and then my, one of my earphones flew out and ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the perils of of like you know perils remote of, lockdown uh, pod, podcast have you started your new job Sharon yes I have you have how was it it was very good, thank you. I, yeah, okay. we managed to. I finally was able to walk through a building and be paid for it. Brilliant, brilliant. And are the people you work with pretty nice? Yeah, most of them are working at home. It, they have a rotor with um, half of the office work in the office and the other half work at home, and then they swap about. So I worked with one person this week while the other four members of the team were at home. And then next week I'll be working with someone else, and then the week after someone else again. They all, the, whoever comes in the office, it's like gets rotated around on a monthly basis. Oh, brilliant! So I won't meet them face to face, but there's a a Zoom call every morning uh, to do a team yeah. meeting. Oh, so Sharon, tell us again, what is your new job? I am in uh, the, the the National House. I'm a admin support for the surgical team and we're called the central booking office and we basically deal with surgical clinics in the hospital preparing the patient notes and um dealing with everything regarding these three particular surgical units 
So that must be a bit in a bit of chaos at the moment with COVID, with things being cancelled and moved around and all that. Yeah. So one of the things is when you check to see what clinics are running and what surgeries are running, you have to check literally the morning of the surgery just to make sure that it is still running. So I, you can't send any paperwork up to the actual hospital because we're in a different building. You don't send the paperwork up until literally an hour before the clinic because it, it up, up any moment up until that point, it could change. <laughs> No. Uh, so you have a list of like 10 clinics that could be running on any given day and then most days it's reduced down to like three or four fair mm. dues oh good but I look, you, uh, I'm pleased I'm pleased I'm really really pleased well I'm sure Toes is as well really pleased for you well yeah. you yeah yeah uh, so it's employment but yeah we're all safely distanced we're in a different building we all have to be socially distanced in the office we have to wear masks all day um, and then because we're hot desking um, well, obviously, we wipe down all the desks and surfaces and everything at the end of each day. So it's mm-hmm. it's as safe as it could be. And then every single person in my department has been vaccinated. Oh, wow. Um, Is that, does, does that include so, you or are you are you sort of like, you know, next on the... No, next I had slip? mine today. I had oh. mine today because as soon as I got in there, they said, right, we need to get you vaccinated. So um, I started work Monday and I was vaccinated on the Thursday. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, so, it, what was was this? Oh, sorry, sorry. I know this. We will get back to films in a second. We promise. <laughs> we promise. But the moment, uh, uh, this is just a curiosity. Um. So, were, did you get the Pfizer vaccine, the Oxford vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, or do you not know? I got a Pfizer. Okay, you got a Pfizer. Um, Pfizer one, yeah. Cause that's the well, they I think they're using both. They're using Pfizer and the Oxford AstraZeneca one. Um. But the particular session i went to it was all pfizer all right any any side effects none at all at the moment i did tingle a little bit the first half an hour but i haven't looked at it to see there's no heat coming out of there so but then because i started work for the health service i had to have an mmr jab um 10 days ago oh yeah and i've got to have a flu jab next week (laughs) and then i've got to have my part two for mmr in march and then my part two for covid in april i've got the date when i'm going to get the part two so i've actually had and i've yeah so i actually had two vaccines and i'm going to have another three before (laughs) this is over just to be safe to work in the health service you are listening to sharon bollen human (laughs) pincushion yes and I've had to be tested to see if I've got the immunity to chickenpox before I can work in one of the clinics. Oh, good so Lord. I'm waiting for my blood results on that. Oh, wow. It's Andy working at the hospital then, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. More ways than one. Yeah. Good for you, mate. Good for you. Okay. And so let's try and get back to films. And Sean, as you've come in, you, you have seen a film that, quite frankly, is just really the title that is... Um, is the title that that's... Well, intriguing me um shuzu river shuzu river yes shuzu river okay now this this wasn't on um a streaming platform this this was um in a classroom at school oh and, yeah uh, so there was only like there were was three in the in the room so and again it was like face mask socially distanced big big classroom so big socially distance it was actually a this was actually a dvd um, wait, 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 wait. so hang on a second it, just just for clarity so sean you work in a school I'm working. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm working. You're, you're working I'm, in I'm, a school, and so was this a class? Yeah. Was this like was this a 
uh, a class? Was it was it with students or was it just of people who just came together and decided to put on a, sh- a film? It was just it was uh, it was um, well there was a, a Chinese Chinese lady there and our friend Joe mm-hmm. so and me and it was just just the three of us yeah, Joe, and it was like um, after uh, school yeah Joe who's breaching COVID rules are you? No, not at all. Not at all. We did check on all that. We did check oh, on all that. And I mean, the, the, the so. We worked together. I mean, yeah, we worked together. So we're not, we're not, we're not breaking rules. Oh, yeah, we, okay. we did. That was, that was a, a really sort of, um, I mean, like miles away, really. So if you think you've got three people in a room. Yeah. Three and I mean, I was the there anyway. I was, I was, uh, I mean, I've been, I've been working there since the thing. So, and as long as you follow the, the social distancing rules, it's not like, I haven't I haven't seen these people because you know I had to yeah uh, with with one thing and another so no I haven't Sharon just <laughs> well, so you good. Know. I, well, I know you wouldn't be one of those people going well, I'm out really paranoid anyway so I mean I'm like I'm like super paranoid anyway so I like I like gel my hands if I get in the car I get out of the car I go indoors I go outdoors I got like a big thing of wipes that I wipe everything down before I even touch it like fridge handles or anything like that and when I when I go on a computer, I got we got sprays and stuff. Oh, so yeah, like yeah, you've got to be you work, So spray everything, spray the keyboard, spray the mouse, spray the screen, spray everything else, put on your hand gel. You yeah. know, they're really, really, they're really, really strict on it. Big arrows on the floor with don't get closer than this, you know, two meter distance. And But I mean, I'm paranoid enough anyway. And if I didn't feel safe, Oh, but there's no way I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd do anything, you know. Uh, what I mean, yeah, I was just, uh, oh, I was just, just in case anybody's listening and wondering, what the, how, how can you meet up in a room with people and watch things on a DVD? I just thought we should, we should clarify and say, like, no, don't worry, it's okay. Sean's good. <laughs> Sean's good with this. <laughs> so you're watching this with Joe. Joe is a teacher who, who pretty much started off the Chinese, um, started off the Chinese program at the school. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just like it's. I've, well, it's just just huge. They, um, it's just gone huge. It's just it's it's crazy. It's crazy, really. Good and stuff. I mean, we've been. Um, he's been making sort of for lessons. He's been making, uh, um, like little little mini lessons on video. So oh, they yeah. do. I mean, now now at school they've got like, I mean, give, they've given out Google Chrome Chromebooks, and so they have to tutor. So they go in and they have like an online lesson. Yeah. So and uh, um, so so it's like you know the, he's still teaching all the lessons because he's, he's the only Chinese teacher. He like he does like three times the work of, of oh, any wow. of the others. And he, oh wow! And but but also during that time, he's made like lessons for, and they really remind me of, like the open university ones you used to get. And he's, yeah. so he's and I mean he's 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 got he's like your background, so he's like editing yeah, yeah, yeah. and effects and. And yeah, all that sort he's of stuff. A, he, so he's, he, editing, filmmaking, and, and all the, that. The, yeah, and so he's interviewed people, and um, then you got Miss Miss Zhao. Miss, she she's um, like the assistant that came over, and she she does that. They, they sort of do this filming of online lessons, and they're actually. He said, "I'm going to be." I said, "You should market it because they're brilliant." He started off. There was one. What we saw one with because um, he's spoken to me as well. Because obviously, I went traveling with him. And he started off with Bruce Lee, which is like, as like a glass of water, he becomes the shape. And then he's got a little bit of the China trip he did. And then he goes into the lesson and he's like, right, okay. So we got this, um, today we're going to look about electric. You know, we're going to talk about electric like that. And he says, okay, there's Miss Yang. And then he'd do like a cut and edit and it would go yeah. to Miss Yang. Yeah. And, he'd say, and then she'd do that. And it's just absolutely, 
I have to say, it's absolutely astounding. I can't believe it. It's like so, really, so, really. So at the moment, is it is it only kept to people in the school, or for instance, could we have access to Joe's Chinese lessons? Yeah, 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 yeah. You could. I think I, I um, I think you'd have to know. Probably they'd be on the school cloud. But I All mean, right. okay. So yeah, so the access there. But I'm pretty sure you might be able to. I mean, they yeah. are. They're, they're, they're like almost professional. They're within. Well, Joe is a crazy. <laughs> Joe, Joe is crazy. a professional. I mean, he's, and they've they've had an online Ofsted thing, I think, and they've asked Joe to show all these literacy things and everything like that because he does literacy with this tutor group like yeah. that, and they all send back. Um, I reckon well, that fifty years time, I reckon all, all all teaching will be done remotely. Yeah. I did I did used to think it'd be a hundred years time, but now I reckon it will be maybe. 50 years time i don't reckon there'd be there'd be like everybody be working from home on a on a computer yeah or, and, and everybody so, every teacher will get the lessons the same day it'd be pretty crazy i think i'm <laughs> oh, sorry i've, I've digressed didn't I? let's get back <laughs> okay. to, let's get back to the film that was sharon that was sharon yeah i think we were i think we were all complicit in that in that tangent in that, <laughs> in that rabbit hole so okay so the upshot of this is i'm guessing that she Suju River is a Chinese film. It is a Chinese film, yeah. Okay. And it was a it was a Chinese film that the director of this film was not allowed to work in China for for two years because he he entered this film into an international festival yep. and it won a lot of awards. But obviously, the Chinese being what they like, they weren't very happy about that because they didn't know about it. Yeah. So. So yeah, but I mean, so this was one. It's obviously in Chinese with subtitles. Yep. And. Uh, it was, so, um, what's the basic story? Okay, basic story. It's like, if in fact there was a, right. So this this it's, it's like a tactic. It starts off with with the narration of this photographer. It's like do with four people. So a photographer says, "Oh, you know, I made this girlfriend. She works in this bar," and then it goes on to tell another story of um, like a motorbike taxi driver that takes this girl and sort of takes away. Well, her father is quite rich does stuff and that and they, they sort of fall in love yep but then there's this plot that they're going to kidnap they're going to kidnap her to get the money um which which she does okay this involved yeah and so she's like really the, the girl because she thinks it's in love and that's just forty five thousand. is that all i'm worth and she she sort of runs out really upset and she throws herself off a bridge oh oh anyway that, that went dark yeah so yeah dark yeah anyway so anyway he gets caught and he goes to jail and then he comes back years later and he's hunting for this 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 girl he's hunting for this girl but he goes into this bar where it's, it's, it all seems a bit confusing at first he goes into this bar where you know there she is she's like uh, pretending she's a mermaid in the spa in a tank and but she's got the photographer's boyfriend so he he becomes obsessed he becomes obsessed and he he sort of just and she she says i don't know who you're talking about i'm not this this you know i'm not this girl or the she's spitting image everything the same mm. um and then it just goes i don't know it's just really really shot and it almost looks like it's shot secretly you know like some of these people they shoot things it takes place on in shanghai on the on this river which is really really full of um like I don't know, just just old factories and stuff. So no wonder it's probably all cleaned up now. But, yeah. Um, so, and all, but it's it's very much a reminder of um, uh, Vertigo. Vert I was about to, I was even, about to say what you just said makes it sound like a, like a Chinese take on Vertigo. 
Yeah, 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 it's very much. I think it must be a little bit of a homage. So it's like, um, and there's even there's even a, a bit where the Vertigo music goes through, the, the Bernard Herrmann music goes oh. through, the, uh, through the film. So, yeah. No, but no, it was, it was, I, I thought, I mean, I quite like these sort of arty films anyway. You know me. I mean, yeah. I prefer those. Well, I mean, I'm, although I love the big blockbusters, these films really, really appeal to me. So, so what did you think about this? What was your verdict on Suzu? Oh, it was great. I thought it was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. I'd like to see it again. Nice. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. It's a, it's a really, really interesting movie, and it's, it's terrifically well shot and edited. It's, you know, some of the shots are, are, are really, really nice. So, all right. Some of these, some of these foreign films, it's surprising they, they are really, really good. You know, I mean, not just necessarily Chinese, but I mean, I've seen some good Korean films and it's, it's, it's surprising really yeah it's funny it's, it's funny when you when you sort of like leave your well your usual area of looking at things and you go oh wow other people in the world can do stuff too <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but okay so so on that you were, you were talking about wanting to watch it again and I've just um, going on from last week where we were talking about uh, Miss Miss Juneteenth and um, mm. when I was talking about the fact that I was trying to find it everywhere and I couldn't find it, I eventually paid for it and realized that I had access to it on Now TV the yeah, whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it still pains. It still, it still hurts. It still hurts me. Um, I found a website called Just Watch, justwatch.com. And if you go to justwatch.com and you type in any film, it will tell you where you can watch it. <laughs> and it, it oh, wow. And it, will tell you, it will tell you where you can watch it online. Let me write that down. Yeah, and so justwatch.com, it will tell you whether you can you can stream it, whether you whether it's available anywhere in the UK to stream, whether you can rent it, or whether you have to buy it. And these are digital right. digital copies of the film. So um, so yeah, I went on there, typed, um, tried Miss Juneteenth, and if I just gone here in the first place, it would have told me, yeah, you can watch it on Sky. All right, that's 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 interesting. So. I might have to do that then. So, what's it called again? Just watch. Just, just watch. Yeah, just, just watch. Really com. <laughs> just watch. I'm going to do that because there's quite a few films. It'd be good to see. Just watch. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can go in there and type it, and it will tell you where you can watch it. Whether it's on Netflix or Prime Video or on Sky or Now TV or or yeah, Disney Plus even. Yeah, let's try that. Let's try Avengers Endgame. Uh, then let's just go Avengers. Let's see. Ooh. So I now, is, that down. yeah, just watch. It tells me you can watch the, like, you know, the if you're in the UK, The Avengers with Patrick Reed and Diana Rigg. Wasn't no, no, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 I'm, I'm mixing his names up. He was Patrick McNamee and his character was John Reed or something. John Steed. Steed, that's John it. Steed. That's it, yeah. That, you can watch, you can stream that on Britbox. You can stream all four scenes of that on Britbox. You can watch it on SkyGo on ITV. The ITV player has some of the... I did not know that. And, yeah, obviously, Avengers stuff on Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, so justwatch.com. Um, I've just tried typing in Suju River in there. That doesn't seem to be available. But as what you said, Sean, it might be a response to the fact that um, the issues that the film has had with the Chinese authorities. Yeah, could, could be something to do with that. As I say, I don't even know if you could... I mean... Yeah, so, but that, as I say, that was on a, a, a DVD. You obviously can't stream it there, so so no. that's a bit of an anom- anomaly for our podcast, I guess. It is a bit of a, yeah. but I, but I, I love the story. I love the story, Sean. Uh, yeah, no, it's. I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd enjoy. Well, you probably would 
as well, um, Sharon. I mean, how do you get on with subtitles? Do you mind subtitle foreign films? Oh, I don't or? mind them. No, yeah, I don't is, mind them at all. It's just really, really interesting. And you know, like sometimes you get those films that you just have to watch. Yeah. And and as I say, it's shot. It's not. It's not like particularly sumptuous or anything like that. It's just shot really well. Yeah. And yeah, so that's pretty good. So, so how many stars would you give Suju River? I I give this a four star. Four star. Four star. Right, yeah, okay, so yeah. if you can find Suja River anywhere, we recommend tracking it down. <laughs> maybe go to the Isle of Wight, maybe find a certain Chinese yeah. teacher, maybe befriend him, maybe he will let you see his copy. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe or maybe not, we don't know, we'll see. All right, and so, okay, to to round off this week, um, just thinking because we're getting up to an hour now, to round off this week, and um, we will pick up on some things next week. I think King of Staten Island, we'll talk about that next week. And uh, yep. but there was a show that I saw that I thought Sean, especially you, I was like, I think Sean might like this. It might be a bit too foul mouth for, <laughs> for, Sharon. for Sharon. So it's I'm wincing already. Yeah, it's a show called Brockmire. It's, it's, Brockmire, yeah, right? Okay. It, it's a show called Brockmire. This, I believe, is available on Now TV and because it's it's a Fox TV show, so anywhere where you can get access to Fox stuff. I think uh, right. uh, uh, it's available on Now TV. I also saw it on Virgin. So if you have a Virgin account and you have the Virgin Media Player, you can watch it on that. And this stars Hank Azaria, who is um, known for doing a lot of voices on The Simpsons. He uh, yeah. so, Some of them controversial because he does voices of characters that are not the same race as him. So he, he's actually the voice of Apu. Well, he has been the voice of Apu, although this year he said he's not going to do it anymore because he real he he's decided that it's a bit insensitive for a white guy to be doing what is a sort of stereotypically Indian accent, and yeah, yeah. he he is the he is the voice of um I don't think he might be Doctor Hibbert, but I'm not sure. But he's a voice of the black cop Lou, as well. Oh but, yeah. But he's also the voice of Chief, Chief Wiggum and all that, and so essentially, Hank Azari is a guy who I think is stupidly talented. I think he is so. I, I think he, he's just he's he's one of the actors that I'm like, what's he doing? Okay, fine, I will I will give it a go. I will give it a go because I think he's stupidly talented. And Brock Meyer is him playing this kind of like a uh, southern baseball announcer. So the whole thing is that his whole thing is that he's a baseball announcer. And you, when the show starts, the show starts and it's him. Um, announcing a baseball game and he starts telling the baseball game and you see him pouring himself like you know a bourbon and drinking it and as he keeps as his, because baseball announcers are a different kind of commentator to any other kind of sport that I think I've seen because it's almost about storytelling at the same time as you're talking about the, as you're calling the game I think they call it it's like it's about storytelling and it's about saying oh I remember this thing one time happened and blah 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 I think mainly because and they keep this keeps coming up in Brockmire because the game of baseball itself is a bit boring so the so so he starts telling they're telling this story and he talks about the fact that he goes back home to because it's his wife and his 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 and his wife's anniversary and he goes back home to meet his wife and to say uh it's been so lovely being married to you all these years and he walks into the house he walks into the house to essentially find an orgy with his wife in the middle of it because he thinks I'm going to go home and, and, and so and he's saying all this and he's going out live and he pretty much has a breakdown where he starts swearing everything like that and cursing his wife's name and all that kind of and you just see a whole bunch of people trying to break into his commentary book booth to stop him talking and but he just keeps going and going and going and then it cuts and it goes like 10 years later and so you, you jump 10 years later and by this time he Obviously, he's he's kind of disgraced. He's he's no longer calling Major League Baseball. He's in this small town, ta- small backwater town that has been destroyed by fracking, 
um, where like it, it's just and everything that you see about this town is like it's run down. Nobody is there. It's, it it's just kind of like you know the place that you wouldn't want to be to you after being at the height of. It's like imagine being a Premier League commentator and then ending up in some abandoned island north of Scotland. <laughs> as your next career move and it, it turns out and it, it's quite funny because it, it says stuff about baseball that quite frankly i'm like you know, I, I don't i don't understand baseball so i don't care but it's really about this character and it's about him and it's about how he deals with his demons and his alcoholism and what he's been doing in the past 10 years uh, sean this bit you might like he's been traveling around asia and he's been taking he's been he's been picking up all sorts of different random odd jobs one of his jobs was that he was commentating on cockfights and he, oh, wow. he, he spent a lot of time in the Philippines. He's learned like Tagalog or the Filipino language. He's learned like, you know, Japanese and all this. And it's, it's and so you keep having all these things about his life that pop up and all that. But then it's about him trying to integrate into the modern life back in America and not understanding what's going on. And I loved this show. I absolutely love this show. There's four seasons of it. It's one of these ones, again, as I, I think my viewing habits is, I've started watching things that if it's half an hour and doesn't take up too much of my time, I can watch it and those I can I can just sort of burn through those now, and so and it goes through it, it, he goes to this small town he ends up having a relationship with um Am, Amanda Pete's character who's called Jules Amanda Pete that's another person who if she's in something I will watch it because I love Amanda <laughs> Pete I think she's great and it's just it's just kind of like it, it's it's tiny small town life and but then each season follows him in a new stage of his career where he gets a new break then when he gets a break it's about oh, there's almost this question of okay how's he going to mess it up how's he going to mess it up but then it starts talking about um social issues in the midst of the comedy so things like a small town that has been destroyed by fracking why are we allowing fracking to happen that kind of thing then yeah then um and in the uh, there's one bit where it it it's tackles racism it tackles racism and sort of institutionalized racism in america which uh, i thought was quite timely even though this was made a couple of years ago it was made before george floyd died and everything but it, it's just talking about how it's there's a character who's like you know an old school almost kind of like colonel sanders character who keeps talking about how we need to keep the, the sport of baseball pure <laughs> and and you're like ooh, ooh, i don't know about this Ooh, i don't <clears throat> And I think the final season, which was done this year, I think that this was definitely like I think a lot of TV was made about almost in response to what was going on in America, what was going on in America over the last four years with a certain person as president. And I think a lot of because the final season jumps way into the future. It jumps way into the future. And it talks about how America is desolated and America kind of looks more like something out of a Judge Dredd comic than the America oh. that we know now. And the final, the entire final season, because when they jumped forward in time, I was a bit kind of, oh, what the heck's going on here? Because I wanted to know what was going to happen. I was going to know what they were going to do from from what they were from the end of season three. And I wasn't sure it was going to work. But the entire season is essentially like a like an episode of Black Mirror because it goes oh. into the it goes into the future there's this ai that has that that everybody starts using and throughout the season you see how the ai is taking over everybody's lives and how that's changing baseball and what that's doing to brock Meyer and what that's doing to all the relationships and all that but in the end i think it kind of works even though i there was a, there was a massive bit of me 
that I really wanted them to just continue with what they did at the end of season three. So as a as a season in total, I would give it a four out of five. But Sean, I reckon you would really really like Brockmire, so I would say I'll have to check that out because yeah. I did check out I did check out Barbarians, which I think Sharon reviewed a few. Yeah, I liked Barbarians. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought I I don't remember what what rating you give it, but um, I gave it about a. a I would, I would, I would give it a four star because I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was well, yeah, you know, I well gave it a four. together. Yeah, you gave it a four. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's worth the watch. Barbarians, and as I say, it's um, that it made me watch. I haven't finished watching it yet, and I don't know if I will. But on YouTube, because I've been doing stuff on YouTube, and there's this series on YouTube called The Roman Empire. It's not Rome, but it's like a, it's telling the whole story of. Uh, different episodes in Rome and, and the one I particularly watched is really good because it's about Commodus and Marcus Aurelius and like so more or less the true story of, of Gladiator you know oh, the yeah. film Gladiator yeah. which is like goes on about how it all went through so I shall finish watching that and I might I might give that a review another time but yeah thanks for Barbarians Sharon I enjoyed that <laughs> and what and so I'll have to do this one then Toes won't I I'll have to remember this well, uh, Brock Meyer, yeah. If you, uh, yeah, Brock Meyer, I should, I should make an effort to try and catch up on on that. Well, I, I, I think, I think because of your your love of Americana, because Ooh. yeah, your love of Americana, I think, I think just the sort of, the, well, I think there's so many things about Sean. There's so many things about Brock Meyer that make me think that you could have been Brock Meyer if things had taken. Oh, <laughs> thank I mean, you. Yeah, we, I mean, you're, oh, oh, okay, okay. When you watch this show, the good stuff, all right, the good stuff about Brock. Meyer. <laughs> because I'm thinking like the the love of Americana, the love of American pastimes, the, the almost this the, almost this sort of like mythical mythical um, appreciation for America, and also also your love of every of the southeast of Southeast Asia. The, I think that's mm. an area that I think you quite like going around and everything like that. I think that there's yeah. quite there's quite a bit of it. I don't know what you think about baseball, but maybe that as well. Yeah, I I I I. I, I... Um, I wouldn't say I'm, it's like my favourite American sport, but I know about baseball because I mean, basically, well, you probably know yourself, Toes. And if you're over there in the baseball season, it's on in every bar. It doesn't matter where you go; it's always on because it's on sort of every every. It's just on all the time and during because, the baseball season. You yeah, know? because and the games up, last so those, long. Yeah, they. Yeah. Okay, we're in the bottom of the seventh, and it's every bases are loaded, and all. So I know, I know all the jargon. I know what it all understands, but. Uh, it's not quite got the enamour for me as, as like American football does, which yeah, is the Super Bowl this weekend. This the Sunday, Super so Bowl, yeah. yeah. I might be might be quite late. But yeah. having said that, the, my one of my favourite favourite baseball films is The Colour of Money. Is it not The Colour of Money? That's a Paul Newman one. The that's, Money Ball. That's Paul. Money Ball. Oh, Money Ball. Brad Pitt. <laughs> is it Money Ball with Brad Pitt? It's yeah. just a yeah, class, Pitt, Money Ball. class film. And I think my favourite American obviously American football is Any Given Sunday I think which is Oh Any Given film. Sunday is a good film yeah Oliver Stone is a good film and there's also a, a film which wasn't released over here it was in the States but you can get it it's called Draft Day with Kevin Costner which is just uh, it's just a super draft it's called Draft Day Kevin oh, Costner right. okay cool and it's just never heard of that it's one. all about it's all about the draft you know and all the like in dealings and all that yeah there's not so much the sport in it but it's just all the intrigue and like oh we go for the first pick or we want the second or we want this we want that and all the different teams are like and all the agents are going for it. A bit of like, give me the money. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. So, um, 
get in touch with us. We have a group on Facebook called Netflix with a Cinema Chat, where every now and then we ask a question. At the moment, the question that's up on there is one from last week, which was UK films versus US films. And they, and they, their, their relative approach to happiness or happy endings. <laughs> like, what do you think? Have, have you noticed those? But get in touch with us. Yeah, yeah. I watched AI as well. I know it's a rewatch and it's an old one. You know the Steven Spielberg. Yeah, one? the Steven Spielberg yeah. film AI. That is, that is. I think that is a lovely ending. I don't know. Have you seen it? Have you seen the AI? I have no, seen. No, I haven't. I have seen AI. Oh, I, you oh, see? You, okay, no, no, sure. It's sure. a very, very. Yeah, it's a very, very underrated film. I think it's it's very, very underrated and it needs a watch. It's an absolutely lovely, beautiful film. Oh, okay. Now, now, this and that, Sean. I think I agree with you. I think AI is a lovely, beautiful film if it ended about ten minutes earlier than it actually does. Yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> I might, I might, I might concede that point there. Yeah, it should have, could have probably been a little bit shorter. It's it's a no, but no, it, it's essentially there's there's a coda at the end of the film. That once that starts, I'm like, because I remember watching the film in the cinema and going, oh, yeah, oh, wow, this is, oh, that's a powerful point. Well, let's, wait, wait, the film's still going. Oh, okay. Yeah, wait, yeah, wait. yeah. What's going on? No, 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 you're ruining it. You're ruining everything you're doing. <laughs> and I feel like the last 10 minutes of the film, I'm just sitting down there going, I, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> really? Uh... It's yeah, really, yeah. It's it, uh, I I feel like it. Geez. Yeah. So anyway, I I, I anyway, don't, anyway, yeah, don't want to give don't want to give away any spoilers about the last ten no. minutes of AI. But I feel like the last ten minutes are like a totally different film to the film you've been watching for the previous two hours. <laughs> but, but okay. Anyway, until that time, please do get in touch with us. Let us know what do you think UK versus US endings, uh, film endings, and um, yeah, get in touch with us on, on Twitter, Netflix via Cinema, on Facebook, Netflix via Cinema. Um, and until that time, when we will talk about King of Staten Island and some other stuff, I might finish watching Succession by then. Uh, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye and, from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye.